everything that is thinkable is possible. Esmael Gillis here with the newest episode of the Inspirational Leadership Series with Harley Lovegrove on Esmael's World Podcast. What is inspirational leadership today? In this episode, Harley Lovegrove and I discuss a deeper understanding of what it is to be a leader and an inspiration to others. And we are going to dive into the second of the five elements, emotional intelligence. So, if you want to attract the best stylists available on the market, keep your key stylists in your team and guide your stylists to become the best versions of themselves and understand where inspiring leaders get their vision from and how to find it in the chaos of life, tune in now. Hello Harley, welcome back. It's so nice having you on the show again. Well, thank We've you. all been through some challenging times with the COVID-19 the last past months. How are you and how has it been for you? Yeah, it's well, I'm, I'm surviving. I'm, I'm, I'm getting through it. Uh, I've got used to the uh, sort of a monastic life and it's given me some opportunities to catch up on a lot of reading, which I've uh, fallen behind on. And it's allowed me to reflect more on, on various things in more depth than I would normally have time for. So for me personally, it's been fine and everybody in my family as well. Um, but of course, for some of... Uh, um, Bayard's clients, it's been much more difficult, of course, uh, who, people who are in the service industries, it's been much more difficult for them. But I'm fine and the business is fine. So generally, it's all thumbs up. Okay, so it's so nice to hear. Thank you so much. I think your book, Inspirational Leadership, has never been so relevant as today with all the challenges we face. Mm -hmm. And I would like to dive in immediately with the second of the five essential elements emotional intelligence. So Holly, you wrote in your book, emotional intelligence is the element that allows us to engage effectively with others. It enables perception and ensures self-control in times of need. Emotional intelligence helps us assess the limits of others and to manage hostile situations. In short, It gives us the basic tools we need to motivate and even manipulate those within our spell. And of course, the first key point is accepting criticism. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's not an easy thing. It's, not, it's totally not an easy thing. And, no. and you, you wrote in your book about accepting criticism. We progress by means of open-minded observation and by learning from our mistakes. It is a strange but understandable phenomenon that most of us find taking criticism so difficult. Mankind progresses by means of open-minded observation and learning from its mistakes. And yet, at the personal level, taking criticism is often such a painful experience that we do everything in our powers to avoid it. 
When someone criticizes us, our first reaction is to see it as a some kind of attack, a direct challenge on who we are, on our competence. And yet, criticism gives us the chance to question and improve. And by improving, we become more valuable in both our business and private lives. Because constructing criticism is a gift, we should always be ready to say thank you to the person who gave it to us, even if it is a day or so later. We should do this for two reasons. One, because the giver is the one putting him or herself out and is therefore taking all the risks. And two, we are the real beneficiary at the end of the day. Look around you and check your friends, family and colleagues. Which of them is actively seeking feedback and criticism and thereby moving forward with their lives? And which of them is standing still, unwilling to improve and move on? Next go and take a look in the mirror and ask yourself, how open am I to improve by listening to the criticism of others? When was the last time I actively changed my beliefs or behavior due to criticism from another? So, it's quite a lot and I would immediately continue because not accepting criticism is kind of a mistake. But why is the mistake and why do people make it, Harley? Well, I think actually it's largely built into us. I think it's part of our genetic evolution to have a, a level of confidence in ourselves, in our ability, and also to attract a sexual partner. One wants to be the one that's uh, doing the right thing, saying the right things, making the leaders, making the change, inspiring those people around them. That's kind of who we are as our, in, our, in ourselves and our egos. And then to have someone come along and saying, you know what, I think you could do that better, or I think this could be done another way. Have you considered doing that? Now, that's been put politely. Unfortunately, most of the time, the criticism that we get is criticism, meaning, Asmael, I really don't like that show. I really think you should have chosen another color. I think it, and then it's a personal attack. Yeah. So there's criticism and criticism, but most of the time we don't like it because it forces us to see ourselves. And the most difficult criticism for us to take, of course, is the one that's really needed. The one that hits. If someone says to you, okay, I, I don't like your shoes, but you love them and all your friends love them, no one is going to, you're not going to get upset, no one will get upset because you're confident about it. But if someone criticizes you on a point which you yourself deep down believe to be true, but are trying to ignore, then it's, it's very, very difficult. So yes, it, to progress forward in life, one really needs to learn to accept it. And if you observe... And I've had the privilege of that over the last 40 years of my business career, of observing the people in the organizations who go, grow really fast. And if you look in, in your world of stylists and those people who have really become successful, if you speak with them and if you observe what they're doing, what they're doing is they're holding themselves open to criticism the whole time. Now, that doesn't mean 
that they are not having strong opinions and strong beliefs in their own ability and they have a vision or whatever, but they will listen to other people and they will see and they will observe and they will watch and other people will come in and say, and then they will openly ask questions, you know, how should I do this? How should I do that? How, how could I improve my profitability? How can I... And those people are the ones who, who zoom through their careers because they're absorbing new information and processing it and new ideas faster than anyone else. Uh, there's a really funny little story somewhere about a nurse who was very upset. She'd been working as a nurse in the same department for several years. And uh, when the job came to be up to become the senior nurse, the head nurse, um, she didn't get it. And she went to the HR department of the hospital and said, wow, this is not fair and this is not right. And why didn't I get it? And the HR department said, well, you should go and talk to the, the you know, the, the senior nurse, uh, the matron and ask her because she made the decision. So she went and asked and the senior matron said, well, I can tell you why, because this person we've recruited is young. She's only had five ex years of experience and you've been working here for nearly 20 years, but you've only got one year of experience. Oh, yeah. You've had one year of experience and 19 years of doing the same thing. Yeah. Where the other nurse every year is learning, improving and doing new things. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to take. That's a very hard thing. And then thing. she will say, well, I was just doing what I was told and I'm doing what I believe was right. And yeah. I'm doing it the way yeah. that you told yeah. me to do it. But in leadership, that's not enough. Correct. Yeah. It forces us to step out of our comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And is there um, a certain way which is um, favorable to speak out the criticism to a person without getting them too much hurt yes. that they don't evolve, yes, but yes, motivate yes, them course. enough yeah, to yeah. go oh, forward? Absolutely. First of all, like everything, you've got to pick the right moment. So when you've observed something, maybe you don't do it immediately, but you make a note of it. Because if they're busy, they're not going to be listening anyway. So if you can imagine that someone's given a demonstration in front of uh, some customers or whatever, and you observe some things that could have gone better, then maybe the next day when you're in having a cup of coffee and they've already slept on it, because they may have already thought about it themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you always begin with, may I give you some feedback? So then they are saying, well, yes, well, not now I'm busy or whatever. You get the body language feeling. May I give you some feedback? You know, I was reflecting on yesterday and what you were doing, and I, I thought it was really great. So you always need to start talking about the things that were good are really great, the way that you welcomed the guests and the way they sat down. And I could see they were having fun. But I was just thinking maybe the technique you, you were using there maybe wasn't working on that person. What do you feel about that? And then you invited into a conversation. Yep, yep. You open the door. Yeah, you exactly. Door. Gently. Yeah, open the door. Uh, yeah. And, and that's very, very important. And then stop there. Don't go, oh, yeah, and another thing. Oh, and another thing. No, no, no please no, don't do that. No. Just just yeah. make your point. Because before you give the feedback, there's one very important thing you should ask yourself. Why am I giving this feedback to the person? Why am I giving this criticism to them? Is it because I'm annoyed and it will make me feel better? Or is it because it 
it will genuinely help them or may genuinely help them advance in their careers and in their lives. Because if it's about making you feel better, then don't do it because you're a leader, you know, and that's not what leaders do. Of course, yeah. But if it's genuinely to help them advance, then do it. And then also think about whether you're the right person to. Because sometimes it's a colleague who can do give that feedback better yeah. or the trainee. If they're being mentored by someone in, in your in your salon, then discuss it with the mentor and say, well, what do you think? Do you think that was right? And they might say, well, no, I don't agree. Actually, I think the cut was nice. Okay, then you know you have to back off. But on the other hand, they say, yeah, I thought that as well. And you say, well, shall I have a word with them or shall you? No, no, I will. And And that means that the mentor then keeps the role. Yep. And then you keep your role as a leader, yes. guiding right. the whole team in the right direction. Yes. Because if they have a problem with you, they've gone. If the problem with a mentor, you can calm it down with a cup of coffee. Of course, yeah. It's it's a it's a turnaround, but uh, it's a very good approach and makes very much sense, especially for us in our industry where we work very closely with people. And um, yeah, people are need to be proud of the work they're doing. And yeah, telling them sometimes they can do better or it didn't work that well, it's 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 very tricky. Yeah. But I mean Thank also you. saying yeah. to if you see that someone's not working to the level that they're normally working, you don't have to criticize the work they're doing. You can just say, look, you know, is everything okay? Is there a problem? You know, is there anything I can help you with? Yeah. You know, why don't you take a day off or something? You yeah. know, yeah. It's, yeah. you have to really balance that. And this is where emotional intelligence is coming in. And not every one of your employees needs to be treated the same way some need to be told bluntly certain things other things people be hinted at and yes. other people need to be told outside of the salon and don't do it when there's an audience of course that's an obvious one yeah but so many people just give feedback and criticism without thinking about the place and the location and without asking the golden question why am i giving this what effect do i want it to have I want it to motivate the person. I want them to go to the next level. Then make sure you get the effect you want. It doesn't always go to plan, but at least no. you need to ask yeah. the question. Yeah. Then you have already a good start off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. To go further, it's um, also very strong when we continue in the book. And it's the power of a really good story. Oh, yeah. And then you wrote, Harley, don't confuse who you are with who you want to be. Being honest with ourselves can engage and communicate with an honesty that knows no boundaries and wins the trust of others. To communicate well, you need to find a common level of understanding and a reference point of trust. At its highest, most intellectual, it can be a professor sharing knowledge to his or her students, on the lowest level, it can be two people engaged in a physical arm-to-arm combat or a couple making love. However, somewhere between these extremes is the power of a really good story. There is no doubt in my mind that a powerful story can have an enormous impact. For managers, consultants and leaders, it is one of the finest ways of sharing personal vision beliefs and insight and if the story can be reduced to a single line or a slogan then the chance of it being remembered long after it was originally told will increase dramatically and here we can see Harley how 
um, it can blend because when people, uh, when you, it's always about trust. When you do the communication, it's always about mm -hmm. trust. But trust is something you build up. Mm -hmm. And then I totally agree. You need to have like um, this, this, the same vision. You need to be on the same on, on, on the same road together. You need to have the same goals. And the story is something we always use more more a bit like being like uh, an attractive character in your team and to your customer. Mm -hmm. So which tools or insights can help salon owners to create or salon workers uh, to create a really good story? Yeah, I don't. There's a difference between being a storyteller and a story creator. Yeah. And there is that one area of authenticity. If you've, if you've experienced something and you think it's important, it's useful to share it. So you see one of your team having a problem and you say, instead of immediate criticizing, you say, you know, you know what? When I was about 17 and I had my first cut, you can't believe what happened. And I was so nervous. I was moving with my scissors and this. And that can really be very reassuring to that person because they think, oh, that person has been there and you're self, so self-assured. But the, the power of a story is really there because, and I use it a lot in business. I'm, I'm famous for it. I mean, you can see all the videos of all the stories. And I remember once I was very nervous. I was in America for the first time and I was about to open a new business in America and where I was looking for an office and uh, to recruit some people. And... I was sitting with a lawyer to get some advice about some legal aspects. And I was nervous because I was on a rather limited budget and I'd heard all these stories of American lawyers being so experienced, you know, and so expensive. I mean, and um, so I was trying to rush the meeting forward. And he said, Harley, you, you seem very nervous. And I said, yeah, well, I've heard all these stories about lawyers. He said, well, don't worry. He said, the first meeting with, with me is always for free. And he said, the most important thing for you is to surround yourself here in Maryland and the US with people you can trust and work with. And, you know, and, and that will become committed to your new business. And I was thinking, yeah, okay. He said, do you know the story? He says to me, an American talking to an English guy. He said, do you know the story of the English breakfast? And I said, no. And he said, well, he said, uh, he said what animals are needed for an English breakfast? And I said, well, uh, you, you need a chicken and a pig because you have eggs and bacon. He said, yeah, that's right. So he said, the chicken is involved in the breakfast, but the pig is committed. And... That's a, yeah. a silly, silly yeah. story, but I've used that so many times yeah. when I'm working with clients and I say, look, your people are all busy and they're all working hard and they're all doing their best, but they're all chickens. They're all laying eggs. And if they don't lay an egg, well, it's not so bad. Maybe one will come tomorrow. What you, you know, to get commitment, you need, you know, you need to be pigs. And the funny thing is when you do that in a group with a group of managers, they start laughing and then they're saying, listen, are you a chicken or a pig? You know, um, and, and, it, and yeah. that yeah. brings it right down. I'm yeah. not saying it's ethically a brilliant story anymore, especially with a lot of vegans around. Yeah, and and okay, I'm, yeah. I'm a, a vegetarian now yeah, as well. Yeah, so yeah, okay. it's not a story I use quite so much. But when I use it to explain commitment or involvement, Bang! People never forget the difference anymore. Yeah, because it's something they can remember and yeah. they can relate to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's funny. And at yeah, the end, it's funny. So exactly. then it's it, it more more easily to remember. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I think it's um, it's it's quite quite interesting to see because um, with 
Sometime. But did you see what I did in the story also? I told you about the map, the lawyer, and I was nervous in the yeah. story. I set the scene with this, the story yeah. and then come to that, the actual story. So there was a story within a story. Yeah. And I think that's also important with leadership is to make that extra bit of time. Don't just go up to your one of your friends. Do you know the difference between a chicken and a pig? Because actually, no, no one wants to be called a pig. No. So you have to build the story within yeah. the story to in, make in, it in work. In a certain context. And in the right context. Yeah, context yeah, and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it must be must be a total, yeah. I find it very interesting because I try mostly sometimes also to bring like stories to my team. It's not always so easy, but um, it works for us. Stylist, and then I speak uh, mostly for very creative minds of people. You don't always have the um, the same the same effect when you go in too hard or too straight. No, you have to take like a, a sideway well, and, and come down absolutely. very slowly. I'll tell you uh, what, yeah. one of the tricks I yeah. do. I mean, a lot of my trainings on on change management yeah. and on leadership are story based, and I really will tell a ten minute story about going to Barbados, for example, or buying a new lawnmower. And these stories actually. Don't tell anyone. I hope there's no one listening to this, but they're all made up. Now, all the ingredients are true, like in the sense of I did buy a new lawnmower and I didn't want one and this, that and the other. But I sit and work on the story because I say, well, what is the point I'm trying to make? What is the, the, the element I'm trying to bring across? And I think of something in my life where I felt like that and I build around it. But Esper, I, I work on it and I work on it and I take all the unnecessary detail out until it's just right. And when I do that in my trainings, wow, you, I mean, you have people laughing and, and, they, and you see them 10 years later and they say, ah, I still remember the Barbados story, you know? Yeah. So, and that's really important. And if you really want to get to that top level of leadership, those stories, you've got to work on them. You can't just uh, no, ad-lib yeah, it. Yeah. You've got to work yeah. it through. And one good way of doing it, actually, is to talk into your iPhone. And then you listen to it back afterwards and you see there's a lot of this and a lot of that and that goes out and, and you actually improve it a lot. Yeah, it's the, it the, needs the, practice. The smartphone recorder is a very yes. useful tool. Yeah. It, it's it's all practice also. So you also use certain stories to bring certain messages. Yeah, when they're really important, yeah. you know, there's a yeah. really important message yeah. about, you know, the, the power of change management or whatever. Whatever, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So when we go further... Um, and then it it all falls for falls in in like in a puzzle it's, and then we we come to what's in a question and that topic you wrote only ask a question if you know if you need to know the answer questions for questions sake are pointless unless they're purely a matter of common politeness there may be no such thing as a stupid question but there are many tedious ones. And so preparation is key to asking a really useful question. A leader who finds answering questions unbearable, tedious is a person in the wrong job. However, ask any inspirational leader what their secret to success is when it comes down to assessing people or situations, and they will tell you that the answer lies in asking the right question. Questions are a leader's ace, placing card, and therefore need to be deployed very carefully and nearly always in pairs. The trick is not to focus on what 
information you want to receive but on what you will do with it once you have received it. The follow-up question therefore should always be considered in advance and deployed accordingly depending on the answer of the first. So Harley, I've been taught that if you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. Mm -hmm. And if you ask an interesting question, you get an interesting answer. What's your idea about it? Well, yeah, okay. The point is, again, to ask yourself, why am I asking the question? Okay? Why, why am I asking this person that question? And what am I going to do with the answer? I'll give you a very typical example. People who are interviewing a new member of staff and they've got five candidates and the candidate comes in and they ask a question. And what they tend to do is they tend to pick up the CV of the candidate and they ask them questions to test them to see if the CV is correct. Well, that's telling the candidate, in here we don't trust people. In this salon, we don't even know whether we, we can't trust you. So we're going to ask some questions to see if you really can cut hair, if you really can start this. You know. Okay. So, and then if you, if that, so there's no point asking any question, you know, well, you know, what, what, what month did you leave that, uh, that salon? You know, why did you leave it? And why, the, and, and all of those questions, they're, they're pointless because they're not going to advance the relationship. You're not going to build trust. So as a leader, I'm thinking, I don't know whether this candidate is great or useless, but I want them to leave this building saying, wow, what a place I would love to work there. Because then I have a choice of all the candidates. And if and if I can only take on one and there's four leaving, I want them all going away, telling their families and friends, I didn't get the job, but wow, it's an amazing place. I'm going to try again next time. Because they are your salespeople. Yes. At the end. Yeah. You see? So yeah. the whole intake process is a typical example. So what do I really mean by asking the right question? There was a, a, a song by Prince who he wrote, and he said, you know, if you were God, uh, on, if you were on the bus and God was sitting next to you and you, and you could ask him what, one question, what would it be? I think that's a really good metaphor. So you're, 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 going, you're going to meet someone, someone's coming to meet you, and you're thinking, well, what question shall I ask? Why, what do I want to know? What do I want to do? Well, I want to build trust with that person. I think the relationship hasn't been that brilliant and I would like to rebuild the trust. So maybe a question about your family, their person's family, or remembering their son's birthday or names. Well, how's Sam's birthday? Hope Did it go well? See, that's a really good question because it's a friendly question and you're asking it because you want to build trust. Yeah. So then your second question, when you follow up, you say, what am I going to do with the answer? Well, no, it was a disaster is one answer. And the other one, yeah, it went really, really well. Thank you for answering. Oh, that's great. You know, so then you can think, well, what am I going to do with that answer? Am I going to plug it into something else or whatever? So the great leaders prepare for meetings. So if somebody wants a meeting with me, I'm asking myself, why would they want a meeting with me? Do we know anything about the background of this meeting? What has the person been going through recently? Have they been on the news? Are they on the blogcast? You put your name in Google. You see if there's anything coming up. Uh, you might do a little bit of research on the person and a little bit of background information. And then you can ask the right question, you know. And one a lovely question when you're meeting someone for the first time is like, um, 
Well, you know, I, I really do only have 20 minutes. But imagine in the next 20 minutes, this conversation's gone really well. And we both leave feeling great. What would we have achieved for you? And they might then say, well, I would have a better understanding of how to apply this color or have a better understanding about whether I should remain a stylist or leave or I should have a better understanding. And then at least you can focus that time you've got with them and they will feel that that time is precious because there's a limit on it. And they will respect and reward that more. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah. So you, 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 you really think it's also very uh, necessary to... Uh, build a culture around having to people to the opportunity to ask questions because a lot of times people okay as a leader you need but as a staff member or a, a, a team member sometimes they're afraid to ask questions because we are not used to ask questions also because you know and now we come again on on the previous well, well, like absolutely. building trust having a vision so it builds it bits bits all but is it like a culture you really create yeah, in, on you, your you, floor but you have yeah creating a culture to ask questions absolutely that should be there especially with your juniors i mean how do you do that that i mean that that's a culture of opening of openness yeah and trust yeah that's right. um but to ask the right question it's really good to be interviewed a few times for the press. I mean, I learned a lot by being interviewed by Belgium's The Standard or whatever, because you get these journalists and they're coming to you after you've written a book. And the questions they ask you are so amazing. But that's their job. Of that's course. what they do that's for what a they living. Do. Yeah, that's, you know? that's your profession. I remember being uh, when my first book came out, Making a Difference came out, and the financial economical times the financial times of belgium mm -hmm. one of their head editors interviewed me after that and i hadn't researched who she was i just walked in there i was harley lovegrove the author and yeah. and she asked me a question about what my why are there more men interim managers and senior managers than women and how do i feel about that had i read her articles had i even done a little bit of research i would have known that's one of her pet topics and the answer I gave was, bah, 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 and it was not good because yeah. I hadn't done my homework. Yeah. And that taught me a lesson. Yeah. Prepare your questions Prepare. for your staff, for your people, for your children, your family. Think yeah. about something yeah. that they would be interested in. Bring your question in to pull them in. Yeah. And then we can continue because once you get, once you get the answers and it's not maybe, maybe it could also be not the answer you wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah, you might not like it, but you, you might not it's, like it's valuable it. information but, because but, it means they've opened up now yeah. and they've trusted you. So and now actually, you know I'm what, leaving. I want to leave. I'm yeah. going to. I'm going to walk across America or something. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. So then it's also important what what, what you write in in the, the next topic is uh, in my humble opinion. So we'll con continue. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, we'll continue because because it builds up and. That's English sarcasm. In yeah. my humble opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because leaders are often anything but humble. Huh? Yeah, something we need to, we need to to learn <laughs> yeah. also. Yeah. Oh okay. Lord, yeah. yeah. It's hard yeah. to be humble when you're yeah. perfect in every yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. So there is no written rule that says a leader cannot be humble. Being aware of one's failings is a condition of greatness. We seem to be most opinionated when we are in our mid to late teens, and then again in our forties. 
I've Correct. forgotten I've written yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good line. You, you recognize it immediately. <laughs> yeah. so, so opinions are our way of expressing our take on life. At 18, our opinions are often fired against injustice and aimed directly either at the establishment or at our parents. Yeah, or both. Both, both yeah. It's a kind of blind anger coupled with the optimistic belief that somehow everything can be fixed. By the age of 40, our opinions are, more often than not, directed to exposing inefficiencies. If I was running the country, blah, 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 and you'd never guess what they have only gone and done now. Over the decades, we seem to gain the inner belief or arrogance however you like to see it, that we could somehow do things better ourselves if only we had the chance. Yeah. And I can also relate it immediately to the time we're living in now because um, when, when you see, for example, um, nowadays with the COVID-19, opinions are polarized to the extremes, mm-hmm. which makes it more difficult to take a stance and make a decision. So is there a critical or important rule to follow as a leader here? Yeah, there is. And, you know, and I'm as guilty as anyone. You know, you, you, you see a politician on the TV or on the news and you think, oh, what an idiot. I mean, why would he do that? Or why would she say that? And why that, you know? And, and in inwardly, you're thinking, if I was running the country, I wouldn't allow that. But obviously, if you just step back You know, and I'm thinking of like Boris Johnson in, in, in England, you know, mm. the guy had a first class honors degree. He, 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 you know, he was one of the elite intellectuals of, of the European school and, and the law school. I mean, this person is an intelligent person with a lot of experience. So even if you don't like the person or you like the person, you have to imagine actually probably it's a little bit more complex and more difficult yeah. than you think. Yes. And yeah. and that's where I, I, I'm sort of saying, you know, by the time you're in your 40s, the danger is your your business is nicely established, you're doing things quite well, and you're starting to believe your own hype. Uh, and, you know, and then you start looking at other businesses. Well, if I was running Apple, I wouldn't have done this. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Come on. Yeah being a stylist yeah. doing these things yeah. this is far more complex than yeah. we think yeah so this 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 uh, in my humble opinion be very very careful because you when you say that and when you think that you're not being humble you're being arrogant and the best leaders i've ever had the privilege to work with are genuinely humble people so if they meet a cleaner if they meet the receptionist in the morning they will say good morning to them with the most genuine attitude of life, why shouldn't they? You know, yeah. and and they are prepared to humble themselves. They are prepared to pick up the piece of paper that's dropped in the reception, which someone else has walked past. And it's a very important element. And there's a, a TV program a few years ago on the BBC or one of the TV channels about where leaders, bosses, big bosses of big companies had to go back to the shop floor. And it was fascinating. There was one from a, a head of a big hotel chain and he started back in, in the washing room, you know, in, in clearing the beds and, and then getting the rooms ready. He said, well, how can you possibly clean a room in 12 and a half minutes? It's just not possible. Or then you had a day in the washing. Then you really feel what it's like to be there. And I think 
there's a lot to be learned from this, not just to make a, an attractive program or to be seen doing it. Yeah, of course, and it's, it's probably also a progression because then how I feel it is getting, becoming humble, really, really humble is related to understanding a lot more things than you did like, for example, 10 years ago. Yeah. And that's a progression because now you you had uh, to solve a lot more problems, you had more issues, you had more challenges. So it makes you humble because you know that you didn't know every answer, you didn't do the right yeah, thing all the time. Let's be honest with so, ourselves. In in your case, maybe in your case, imagine that you're, you're, you've got your stylist thing and you've got all your diplomas and you're just cutting somebody's hair. In the early days and a customer went out and they weren't happy, you probably would have said, you know, the problem for me is I've got the wrong customers. You know, or I'm in yeah. the wrong town, or, or whatever. Yeah, whatever, whatever. And, and yeah. When you're yeah. younger, yeah. you have this, yes. have this, yes. this kind of arrogance. Yeah. But great leadership and and leaders. I'm sure maybe it didn't happen to you, but it certainly happened to me when I, I was. You know, there was always the problem with the customer in the, in in the early days. And as you get older, you realise that the problems with you. You're just not listening. You're not observing. You're not watching. You're not using your emotional intelligence. And that's why, for me, emotional intelligence is really my second element. Because it's, it's about important. reading yeah. their, their their body language, yeah. seeing whether yeah. their shoulders are in the air, whether yeah. they drop down yeah. and they're looking relaxed. Yeah. And all of those are pieces of information and and hu humbling yourself to open the door for them, to listen to them and to take their opinions seriously. Emotional intelligence is more like knowledge you gather when when you when you evolve as a person. Because I would say that's wisdom. Wisdom okay. for me, wisdom yeah. is the combination of knowledge, so you know how yeah. to cut hair or to or, or color any, yeah, or whatever, yeah. plus experience. experience. So it's knowledge plus experience, experience gives you wisdom. wisdom. Emotional intelligence actually is something you have to learn. Now, some people have it quite naturally. openly or naturally, but naturally. they still can work on it, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Other people have to learn it. And I know people who have zero emotional intelligence naturally, but have learned it. Okay. And they've learned to equate, oh, when his eyes open or when he drops his shoulders, mm. it means this, this and this. Or when the yeah. person starts moving their yeah. feet, it means mm -hmm. they're getting bored and I need to move on. Mm -hmm. And they learn it. Yeah. And they are not naturally um, emotional intelligent people. So this is something we can learn. And if people say to you, oh, yeah, but I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I'm, a, I'm an accountant or I'm a scientist. Sorry. People can learn this. You can learn, you can train yourself. At least you may never be the best, but you'll be, you'll get an eight out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10. Being interested in other people is, the, is a good start. It's a good start. Yeah. 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 It, because yeah. it opens up. Yeah, there's no yeah. excuse no. for not having it. You, you, you can't blame, blame it. Uh, you have no choice. It doesn't come naturally to you, but you still can learn the things. There's plenty of books on emotional intelligence. Yeah, of course. Anyway. Yeah. So, dear listeners, we came to an end for this incredible, enlightening episode with Harley Lovegrove. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you, Harley, for sharing these insights with us. <laughs>